There has been a horrible plague of sorts that's overtaken many Christians for a very long time. Today on Keeping It Real, the subject matter of spiritual superficiality within Christian circles takes center stage. Reality checks will be provided as well as practical and biblical exhortations given on how to come off of being superficial. If you think or believe that this episode may not be for you, guess again. The experiential and biblical content that will be relayed may prove otherwise. Too many Christians have played it safe or worse yet, have played church. It's time to move beyond superficial and it should start now. And in order to get moving beyond superficial, we need to first break it apart. Welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast. Only tired of fake stuff? Shouldn't we turn down a stale brand of living? It's time to open our hearts to Christ. It's time to keep it real. Here's your host, Ollie Gee. And welcome to another episode of the Keeping It Real podcast. I'm your host, Ollie G, and this is the 22nd episode of the KIR podcast. And if you've missed any of the prior episodes, I greatly encourage you to go back and tune into those uh, because the episodes kind of build off of one another. They're they're like links in a chain. It's hard to kind of see the chain completely intact unless you get caught up on all the episodes. Today, it's moving beyond superficial. This episode or the content of this episode is drawn from experience and also through biblical study and as well as some study of church history. So there has been a phenomena that has overtaken a lot of Christians, and it has done so for quite some time. Before we get into the reality checks of those, I want to define what superficial is, or actually what Webster defines the word superficial to mean. It means shallow or lacking in depth or solidity. I'm going to say that again. Superficial, according to Webster's dictionary, means shallow or lacking in depth or solidity. Okay, so when we use this as part of an evaluation or framework for what's going on today. And it's uh, not to have a judgmental spirit, but uh, on any particular person or group of people or denomination or anything like that, but it is to evaluate what is going on. I mean, the apostle Paul and the other apostles did this all the time. I mean, they warned the churches of, for example, false teaching. Don't allow false teachers to come into your mix because it's going to create all sorts of problems. That is just one of many, many examples. Um, John described the church as, uh, I wish you were hot or cold, but instead you're lukewarm. He called it like it was. And we certainly do that here on the Keeping It Real podcast. We kind of tell it like it is. Uh, hence, we try and stay too, uh, true to the title, Keeping It Real. And the guests that I have on the show do the same way as we uh, have a dialogue or conversate with them. It happens there as well. A reality check of Christendom's condition, the Christendom of today, is I can't help but to draw out basically two things or two basic things that get cited actually a lot of times within Christian circles that don't have a lot of vibrancy or a lot of uh, great spiritual energy or passion. Um, there isn't this outflow of the person of Jesus Christ or an allegiance that's been pledged to him, uh, even though there is a lot of professions that are going on all over the place. A lot of Christians answer questions within a Sunday school setting 
with either Jesus, prayer, or the Bible. Those are real fundamental answers. They Those are the answers that get cited a lot of times, whether they be right or wrong. And uh, even, there are even jokes made a lot of times about it within Sunday school circles or youth group settings or whatever. People decide all the time, well, it must be the Bible or a prayer. And, you know, because those are the words that are used probably the most often. But let me cite those two things now in a little bit of a different light. The reality check for Christendom's current condition is let's cite prayer. Okay. The prayer requests. And the prayer lives are a lot of times surface level oriented stuff. I will expound more on that as we proceed along in this episode of the podcast today. But I want us to just have that be food for thought for right now. The surface level prayer requests and prayer lives that are that that we can be exposed to when we gather together with a lot of uh, other believers or people that profess the name of Jesus Christ or profess to be a follower of him. And then the other reality check is the biblical illiteracy. I will expound on that more as well, but I will also let that just kind of settle in and ruminate for a little while as we proceed along in this episode of the podcast. So the surface level prayer lives or prayer requests that are offered and biblical illiteracy is perhaps at an all-time high, as was cited in uh, the prior two-part series that I did with Pastor Joe Kane. Uh, Joe uh, emphasized that at length in both of those episodes. So scripturally, we may there may be some people that are actually scripturally well-versed, but there's a difference between script being scripturally well-versed and being experientially scripturally well-versed. And I will lay out the difference between those two scenarios as well. Too many Christians have played it safe, or worse yet, have played church. It's time to move beyond superficial, and it's got to start now. Again, as Joe emphasized in the prior episode, episode number 21 of this podcast, if you've not heard it, I greatly encourage you to go back and listen to it. He emphasized how our time, that is we as Christians, our time is now. Now is the time where the pendulum has to shift. Again, too many Christians have played it safe or worse yet have played church. It's time to move beyond superficial and it should start now. So there are a couple of indicators I'm going to draw out on how we can move beyond superficial. Moving beyond superficial indicators. Indicator number one is when there is a daring to go deeper. When daring to go deeper, the opportunity to go deeper starts at salvation. Now, the core passage of our show today is found in Ephesians chapter three. And it says this, beginning in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, moving beyond superficial indicators. First off, when we dare to go deeper, the opportunity to go deeper starts at salvation. He says that as he being the apostle Paul says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. 
that gets established from the point when someone accepts Jesus Christ, when they invite him into their into their life to forgive them of their sin and to pledge allegiance to him that they will follow him. They aren't going to do it perfectly. None of us does. But there will be a maturation process. There will be a growth process a lot of times through aches and pains and difficult life lessons, but there will be a growth process evidenced from a spiritual birth where Jesus pointed it out to term it in such a way in John chapter three to be born again. No one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. That is, you were born, everyone that is breathing at this particular moment has been born. They have a physical birthday. Well, then there needs to be a spiritual birthday. And that is when someone accepts Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, realizing that there is no one else that can forgive them of their sin, and realizing that Jesus is the one that paid for our sin debt in full, dying on the cross, paying for our sin debt in full, but not staying dead, rising from the grave, conquering death, conquering Satan, conquering sin, and is seated at the right hand of the Father on the throne in heaven. When someone places their faith in that, they have received salvation. They are in Christ, as the Bible terms, uh, as the Bible terms it many times over. And the opportunity to go deeper starts from that point. One cannot go deeper with Christ if someone doesn't even know Christ, okay? You can't go deeper with someone that you don't know. It doesn't even begin to make logical sense, and it certainly doesn't make scriptural sense, or it doesn't line up with what the scriptures teach. So moving beyond superficial, one indicator is daring to go deeper. Unfortunately, the church of today has very little to no depth. I equate the church of today to be similar or to run along similar lines as the church at Corinth. If you read the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, particularly 1st Corinthians, you have a picture that is laid out or you have the, the, the laying out by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of what was going on in this church. And what was going on was a complete mess. There was a mixture of people. I certainly believe that there were carnal Christians there. That is clearly laid out because he calls the people of this church his brothers and sisters. The Apostle Paul wouldn't call them brothers and sisters if they weren't in Christ or if they didn't know the Lord. So there are carnal Christians there. There were probably also people that were outside of Christ. This was a mixed bag, but the bag was messy. It was a, a train wreck through and through. There was There were people that were naming the name of Christ that were having sex with prostitutes. Um, there was incest going on. There were divisions all over the place. People were saying, I am of Apollo, I am of Apollos, I am a Peter. It was a royal mess. There was very little to no unity. There was division. There was rampant sin. There was drunkenness. There were orgies. There were all kinds of things going on in this church amongst professing Christians. And some of them maybe legitimately were Christians or they were Christians because, again, of how Paul addressed them and how Paul dealt with them and spoke with them. So the church of today 
is very little different from that. And you may go, now, wait a second. I don't know of any incest going on in a lot of churches today. I, I don't know of um, these some of these gross sins that you're laying out. They may not be going on within the brick and mortar of the institutional church. They may not be going on within conferences and uh, retreats and things that are going on in the name of Christ today. But if we were to dig long and hard enough within the private lives of a lot of people that name the name of Christ, there are things that are going on that are in that category. We have all kinds of news reports of people dropping like flies, including pastors and people in places of leadership. And this is not to cast judgment on them or on anyone else that has fallen prey to the devil's schemes and tricks to uh, fall into these sins because any of us can fall into these sins. None of us is immune to the great wickedness that was running rampant at the Church of Corinth. And that is certainly holding true in the church of today. So this isn't a judgmentalism session. What this is, is to lay out a, rea a reality check. It's going on. And it is going on, and I emphasize these things not to uh, say, you know, how terrible uh, so many uh, folks are that name the name of Christ. What I am laying out is merely emphasizing that the shallow prayer lives of so many Christians, far too many Christians, and the biblical illiteracy that is running rampant within Christendom today is a huge responsibility for what is going on within Christian circles today. Not only with the folks that are falling prey to the schemes and wiles of the devil and falling into sin, uh, oftentimes all kinds of sin, their lives are a mess, but even the folks that aren't falling into those particular sins, but they are living such shallow lives are not in a position to encourage the brethren, encourage people that have fallen into these sins, people that are have been subject to these things and that have chosen a life path that have fallen prey to these sins, they have had nobody to look up to or very few people to connect with to, that, that can encourage them, pray with them, rub shoulders with them, come up alongside of them and teach them the scriptures or help them in a pure and in a a right way, a holy way, an admirable way, not a judgmental way, not a condemning way, not, uh, you know, the person that's teaching them is way above them or anything like that. We've had far too much of that going on as well. But we have had a church of today that has fallen victim to so many different things, just like the church of Corinth, because of the shallow, superficial Christianity that has been going on for far too long. Too many Christians have played it safe, or worse yet, they have played church, and it's time to move beyond superficial, and it's got to start now. How do we respond to this divine exhortation that the Apostle Paul gives, for example, here again in Ephesians chapter 3? Again, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. In other words, you're rooted and grounded in love because you at least have had a starting point. You've been saved by the grace of God. Jesus has, has come into your life and you have forsaken your, at least at the point of salvation, you've forsaken your old life. You've accepted a new life. You've put off the old man. You've put on the new one. So 
he says that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. To know the love of Christ. How do we know the love of Christ? Well, we've got to move beyond superficial, okay? If we stay at the point of like a newborn baby drinking milk, or we get to a point where we even don't want the milk anymore, we would rather malnourish because we're not that interested in God. We're not allowing ourselves to even be in the position for God to work in our lives. Listen, God is always in the pursuit of us. Every single one of us who is truly in Christ has been born again by the Spirit of God. God is in pursuit of you as God is in, is, is in pursuit of me. And all what we need to do is meet him where he is, where he's working. All we have to do is just say, yes, God, you're leading here. I will follow you here. That's what the disciples did. They left everything to follow him. Matthew was a tax collector. It's all he knew. He knew numbers. He knew, you know, money, currency. He knew that's that's all he knew. He threw it all down to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But you can name anybody within a scriptural context. And when God was working, they would meet God with where he was. I mean, even Lot, as incredibly unwise and as wicked as he became when the two angels came to Sodom he met them at the city limits he met them he went to go meet them upon their arrival he didn't stay in his comfort zone in his own house he could have he probably in a natural sense would have been smart to do so I mean the the the, the whole city was an evil wrecking ball and he goes out into the square to go ahead and meet the angels. And that undoubtedly probably helped him gain grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord and having his own life spared, even though it was a complete mess and would continue to be a complete mess coming on out of there. But at least his life was spared. So how do we respond to the exhortation? We've got to be willing to go beyond the starting point and get beyond surface level. And you may be listening to this and you may be like, oh, no, wait a second. I'm, I'm not at the surface level. I, I've been a Christian for a lot of years. The duration of time that someone has known the Lord does not equate to having moved beyond superficial. So someone could be saved for 50 years and it doesn't mean that they've really ever even gotten off the milk. So duration of time doesn't mean anything. It's not like someone who's been an employee at a place for 50 years and then they get to pull rank or, you know, they, you know, they qualify for all kinds of benefits and things like that. This doesn't necessarily quite mean that. What it means is, again, is meeting the Lord with where he is and what he's doing. Again, the Lord is pursuing us and the scriptures make this clear. So now let me give some scriptural supports. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How about Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2? 
Therefore, we have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. How about Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10? Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Or James 4, 7 and 8, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we get a little bit of a different perspective besides the apostle Paul. James says it as well, but we could look in John's letters. We could look at Peter's. It doesn't matter. There is a response that we are to have to divine exhortation, and that is to say, yes, I want that. Not even so much that. It's not about a that. It's a him. I want Christ. I want to pursue him. I want to follow him. I'd be willing to give it all up, lay it all down for the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ. And that is the problem with Christendom of today. And what has been the case for far too long is we have gotten saved. Maybe we've gotten saved and then we're just kind of cool with that. And we're just cool with these superficial circles we find ourselves in. And listen, I've been in the middle of them. To expound on those, I mean, I've been in prayer meetings where we, before we would actually enter into the place of prayer, people would have prayer requests. And it's amazing. I would know what people would say word for word before they opened their mouth, before they were called upon to actually give the prayer request, because they would give the same stuff all the time. And they would, it would, it's like it was rehearsed. And it's not to say that we shouldn't pray for the same things over and over again, especially if we don't get an answer yet from God, because sometimes God takes more time to answer certain requests than others. But to have this mundane, this regimented, this stale way about us is superficial. And too many Christians have played it safe, or worse yet, have played church. It's time to move beyond superficial, and it got to start now. Our time is now not waiting for something different to happen or for there to be a shift. The time is now. Same thing with the biblical illiteracy part. I was at a conference. I think I've mentioned this on this podcast before. If I have, forgive me for mentioning it again, but it was an incredible, chilling experience. I was at a, conf a youth conference and I was a youth pastor at the time. I was at a youth conference of about 5,000 people were in the Coliseum. Now, a lot of teenagers, but also a lot of youth leaders, youth pastors, and workers. And out of 5,000 people, and dare I say there had to have been at least 1,000 adults in the room. So maybe 4,000 kids, close to 1,000 adults. And the person giving the message said, for every one of you that have known a Bible verse, he asked everybody to stand up. And everyone that's known a Bible verse or memorized the Bible verse for every year you've known the Lord remains standing. And it was chilling that there were about 60, maybe 70 people in the whole place left standing. 
Now, I appreciated everybody from young to adult who was honest enough to sit back down in their seat after that statement was made. But how chilling it was to have an experience like that, to look out above around the people and see that there aren't any, there were only 60 people that knew a Bible verse for anyone that for every year they've been saved or every year they knew known the Lord. I was flabbergasted. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how can this be? How are we going to reach a generation for Christ when we don't know the Lord? We don't know him well. We don't know the word. And now I want to make a further distinguishment because I've been around enough folks to know there are people that know their Bibles well, seminary professors, Bible college professors, know their Bibles well. They know verses of scripture. They know theology, but they don't know it experientially. At least a lot of them don't. Because if you were to ask them, when was the last time you experienced a moment of brokenness? When was the last time the Lord busted you up about something where you were humbled or you saw the Lord in a whole new and fresh way that you would have never seen apart from this instance or this season of brokenness where it was uncontrolled weeping or uncontrolled being busted up on the inside because God had to do some incredible restoring work or divine work in our lives in order to magnify himself. And it's amazing to me how I even asked somebody this one time and they looked at me like I came from another planet. I had more than one head. And I'm thinking to myself, how can brokenness be such a foreign concept to someone that knows, quote unquote, knows the scriptures, that knows verses of scripture, that knows theology, that 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 that, that, that is a teacher? I, I don't understand this. This is where we are. We've got moving beyond superficial. One indicator is when we dare to go deeper, where we truly are passionately in pursuit of the Lord. And it's as a result of his working in our lives. We're not pursuing the Lord because we know it's the, the right thing to do, or it's a great Christian duty to perform an exercise. We know because God's already working and we are responding to him. Yes, God, this is your call. Here's my answer. I'm following you, or I'm going to line up with what how it is you're working. The other indicator is when Christ alone satisfies. When Christ alone satisfies. Now, again, this sounds elementary. This sounds Sunday schoolish. Hang on here because we're getting ready to get on, getting on, if you know what I mean. Ephesians chapter three again. The Apostle Paul starts off that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ. I'm going to read that again. To know the love of Christ. To know. It's great to know. I love to know stuff, okay? I don't need to be on a need-to-know basis on a lot of things, but when it comes to God's activity in my life, I, I, I want to know. I feel like I need to know. Please, Lord, help me to understand. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When Christ alone satisfies, to know through experience. There are too many of us 
that have not really experienced the riches of Christ. I mean, we could talk and listen, I can discover this in a very short amount of time, sitting in a room or standing in a room with someone for a very short amount of time. I'll be able to, to discern that based off of the conversation, how it goes, the energy level, and how long the conversation will go for and, and what the content of the conversation is. I mean, it doesn't take much. There are people that I can sit down with for hours, hours, talking about the Lord, praying through things, encouraging them, receiving encouragement from them. Any of the guests, the, the people that have partnered with me in this ministry, I can sit down at a coffee shop or in a living room for hours. We can shoot through for three, four hours like it's nothing, like it's drinking a glass of water, talking about the concepts of God, discussing the scriptural principles that are found in the Holy Bible. Uh, praying with one another, praying for one another, giving each other counsel and exhortations. It's its amazing how fast time flies in those types of situations and settings. There is unfortunately little to no track record with God when it comes to Christendom in general of today. Again, I equate it to the church of Corinth. The apostle Paul laid this out. He He, he basically told them like it was, you guys are puffed up meaning you guys are prideful, you guys have struggled immensely with the sin of pride, and you guys have not fled idolatry, you guys think you're your own, you are not your own, you have been bought with a price. He laid it out to the Corinthians over and over again and in so many different ways because their spiritual condition was a royal mess. And many of them had come to know the Lord. Again, we've established that by how Paul addresses them and talks to them, but there's no depth to them. And this is what Paul was after. There's no, there's nothing to you. There's no meat on the bones. There's nothing to you. There's no testifying. There's no depth. There's no nothing. Instead, you guys are bickering with one another constantly. So there are distractors to Christ satisfying. Here are the current day postmodern distractors to Christ satisfying one's soul. And these are mainly applicable to us here in the West. If you're listening to this and you are from especially the United States, or perhaps if you're from Canada or uh, you know some other affluent place here in the West, but primarily the United States, these are definitely applicable. Distractor number one, and these are pretty elementary, but I will expound on each of these as need be. Distractors to Christ satisfying. Number one is the greed for money or stuff. How attached are you to your stuff? It's very easy for us to be attached to stuff here in the West because, listen, it's within our culture. It is embedded in our culture. You watch any advertisement on television or you get into talking with anyone who especially doesn't know the Lord is, is, is outside of Christ their lives are dependent, their livelihoods, they feel like their livelihoods are dependent on their bank account or on their cars to be able to get around or on their resources or what have you. For the Christian, it's nice that we have those things. Hey, listen, I love wearing comfortable clothes. I love my car. I love my house. It's not the biggest house, not the smallest house. It's a nice place to live. I don't have any leaks in my ceiling. Praise God. 
But if I didn't have any of these things, I would that those things don't identify me. I would be okay. My identity is in Christ. If I would ever be without Christ, which is impossible because he will in no wise cast me out, as Jesus said in the Gospel of John, praise God for that. I, I will never be thrown out of his family. I am so grateful for that. But if I were to ever be without Christ, that would be the that would be an issue. That would be the issue of all issues. I could not live without Christ. Uh, greed for money or stuff is definitely a distraction. Uh, toxic relationships. Uh, we touched on this earlier. Adultery is running rampant, first of all, even within church circles. It, it just is. It's sad to hear about how many Christians have been susceptible and have dropped like flies to this particular sin, but not just that sin. Um, listen, toxic relationships can take on any various forms. Uh, gossip is a killer within the church. Slander, a serious detriment to the activity of God amongst his people. Uh, backbiting, it, it, on and on it goes. Toxic relationships come in all kinds of different forms. And they are unlimited. Toxic relationship spectrum is never short on members, okay? There are, some groups are relatively small, other groups are bigger. And it's amazing the relationships, at one time quality relationships or great fellowships that have been destroyed because of toxic relationships that have started. So another distraction to Christ satisfying is coveting comfort. Again, very applicable to here in the West. Uh, people that live in a third world country that barely have anything at all or don't have uh, enough to eat. Uh, so many children in the world don't even have enough to eat that they can't even stand up to walk. Not as applicable, <laughs> certainly. Very applicable here in the West. Uh, we love our comforts. John Eldridge says it best. Too many Americans are married to 67 degrees. I mean, we always complain that it's too cold or that it's too hot. We get into complaining that it's too noisy or too quiet. We get into complaining about what someone else has done or what they've not done. There's constant complaining. Instead of getting into complaint mode, especially about our inconveniences or our perceived discomforts, we should actually be very, very grateful for all the ways that we've been blessed, particularly here in the West. We have so much abundance. It's unbelievable. We have been we've been the most abundant people in the history of mankind as far as having stuff and, and having comforts. I mean, we have access. If, if you are uh, anything like me, that's like middle income, even if you're lower income, you have access to at least some kind of heat source, I would imagine. Uh, there are a number of people that if you have an opportunity to at least listen to the sound of this, uh, sound of my voice or listen to this podcast or listen to other podcasts, you've been blessed enough to have a computer or have a phone, an iPhone that you can listen uh, to this podcast on. Many of us have refrigerators full of food. So Christ alone has to satisfy, not our comforts, whether if it's the furniture we sit on or the car we drive or the place that we get to go to uh, after work or the bed that we sleep in or the type of sheets we have on the mattress, it just all of that is so minuscule and really doesn't matter much. Christ is the one that has to satisfy. And then there's a fourth detract, distractor, and that is a feeling the need to be informed. So many people are on a need-to-know basis on information, and specifically information that has nothing to do or very little to do with the kingdom. And I cite social media here. 
Uh, social media, of course, has been this growing giant. I've had a love-hate relationship with social media for some time. And uh, social media has been this growing giant in the lives of so many people. And Christians have been on social media, oftentimes ripping at each other. Sound familiar? <clears throat> Church of Corinth, where if they have differences in theology or differences in um, some kind of view, uh, uh, all kinds of stuff. I can't even begin to lay all of this out within the context of this episode of the podcast because the debates are so numerous. And I've had even stuff come back on my podcast. I've typically tried not to engage because, for quite frankly, it's a waste of my time and I don't want allow my spirit to go down that road. But I've had people put respond stuff to on my podcast. I'll post like a Bible verse or something like that. And somebody will post something absolutely ridiculously lewd. Uh, you know, Frank Viola calls them Twitter trolls. <laughs> um, and, and I don't have really, I'm not big on Twitter, but on Facebook or Instagram. And he calls them trolls. Avoid them at all costs. Okay. So it's, you know, we've got these distractors. Meeting God is when he is in pursuit of us. He is pursuing us and we ought to meet God in his pursuit of us. And the autobiography with God that develops upon that is amazing. Unfortunately, again, with the churches in general, there are exceptions. There are a number of them. But generally speaking, the superficial condition of the church today, the autobiography with God doesn't even get beyond the introduction. But there are a number of Christians that could write several autobiographies. In fact, a whole shelf full of autobiographies on how God has spoken to them, directed them, delivered them, blessed them, encouraged them, led them, taught them, and how he has worked, not only in their lives as individuals, but corporately. And that's what the Church of Corinth was missing, and I think that's what's missing today. A lot of people talk about, oh, well, we assembled together. Well, don't get me wrong. We go, we go every Sunday morning to church. Yeah, and I've been there. And I've seen superficial action after superficial activity after superficial activity. And there's got to be a difference between being scripturally well-versed versus being experientially well-versed. And to outline the difference or to lay out the difference between those two, someone can know a lot about the scriptures, but they have not experienced God they have not been broken. They have not been um, filled with the measure of the fullness of God, as Paul says in Ephesians 3. They have not been able to go back. I call them landmark moments where I people can go back to landmark moment after landmark moment after landmark moment and go, yep, God met me here. Here's how God led me here. I didn't understand this, and I never thought in a million years that this could ever happen, but God showed up. And here's how God showed up. And it was not of my own accord because I was moving in the polar opposite direction. And God literally showed up and did this, broke me, led me, encouraged me, showed me this through another brother or sister, revealed this to me in the scriptures. And it was like, hello, it, on and on it goes. Exper be an experientially, scripturally well-versed kingdom of God man or kingdom of God woman. And I tell you what, your autobiography will be hundreds, if not thousands of pages long. This superficiality that we've been 
hammering on having as center having at center stage here in this episode did not get birthed overnight there was a process to it there has been this lengthy dull stale kind of dark process that has gotten us to where we've gotten to within this uh, subject matter of superficiality or moving beyond superficial. It wasn't birthed overnight, and we're not going to get out of it overnight. And if you are listening and you're really coming to grips with some of the things that have been proclaimed in this episode of Keeping It Real, and you may wonder, well, yeah, that's me. You know what? If I would just be honest with myself and honest before God, it's been me. Listen, you're not going to get out of it overnight but you can start today. Too many Christians have played it safe or worse yet have played church. It's time to move beyond superficial and it should start now. How do you start now? Well, you give yourself over to the Lord and you ask him to reveal to you just very simply. And it doesn't have to be any long drawn out thing. Just ask God very simply, God, show me what you want. And listen, that answer could be different for everyone listening to this episode of the podcast. For one person, for person A, it could be, I am looking for you to go without food. I want you to fast for a day or fast for a weekend. And it may be someone, person A may have some struggles with food. It may show up with their diet and their lack of exercise. And God's going to say, I'm going to be able to tell how serious you are about this, fast and pray for a day. Just give me a day. Forget about a week, a month. Forget about all that. Just give me a day and see if God shows up. For person B or somebody completely different, it may be, you know what? I dare you to go deeper, and I dare you to go deeper by taking a day off from work. And you may say, how can I take a day off from work? I'm on a tight budget and I work an hourly wage, and I don't have any personal days or sick days left, or I may not even get any vacation days, how can I take a day off? God is saying, do you trust me? Would you be willing to take a day off for me? Sacrifice your budget and watch me show up. So that might be person B. Person C, it just might be, um, you know what? I want you to get off alone somewhere. You enjoy the company of other people, You love hanging out with family. You love hanging out with friends. But you know what? I want you to retreat somewhere for some time, a day, a weekend, maybe a whole week. Uh, Frank Viola cites three places that I didn't, I I subconsciously realized, but never fully realized uh, that these are three great destinations, either a place near water or up in the mountains or in the desert are three great places to go. I personally love the water. I'm a beach bum. I love going to the beach or I love being around a lake or a pond or waterfalls. I love that stuff. I like the mountains. I like the desert, but I love being around water. Whatever your interest is, get alone somewhere for a weekend and just off from everyone. You might be like, oh man, I'm just newly married and I love my spouse. We've only been married for three months and man, we are so into each other and we're already talking about having kids. And if you've been superficial, dare to go deeper with God, and then look for Christ alone to satisfy. Those are the two spiritual or or moving beyond superficial indicators. Dare to go deeper and let Christ alone satisfy. This corporate moving beyond superficial, especially is not going to happen overnight, but there 
It can happen with one Reformation story after another at a time. And that includes you, dear brother or sister. I'm going to repeat that one more time. We can move beyond being superficial. One Reformation story after another at a time. And if you're listening to this episode and you've actually listened to the whole way through and you're wondering what knowing Jesus is all about, this all means for you is, is you've got to start. You need a starting point. And the starting point is coming to faith in Christ to begin with. Laying down your pride, laying down your life, asking him to forgive you of all of your sin, asking him to make you a new person, believing that he died on the cross for that reason. And that he's alive and well. He conquered the grave. And if you will accept him to save you from your sins and you pledge allegiance to him, you can live a life where there will be very little to no superficiality because you're just looking to pursue the Lord. Now, I got news for you. It may happen. I'm guilty as charged. There have been a number of instances and some seasons of my life where I have been superficial. And I didn't even know it. Praise the Lord for his divine activity in my life and not having given up on me. And he certainly won't give up on you. If you come to him and want to be his child, he's not going to give up on you as his child. He's going to continue to pursue you and work with you with a tender, kind, gracious love, because that's who he is. Stay tuned for the next episode of Keeping It Real, which will include a special guest who I will give you a hint was mentioned by name earlier in this episode.